0: Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sunesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. This special edition of Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan features an installment from a limited series called Coping with COVID. Hosted by Brian Mulligan, the president of Applied Information... Coping with COVID shares the stories and successes of people and organizations during these unprecedented times of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Hello and welcome to Coping with COVID. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan. On this program, we'd help tell the stories and share the successes of people and organizations as we all deal with this COVID-19 pandemic. Our focus is on keeping people safe and at the same time re-energizing the economy. Our guest today is Michael Sullivan, President and CEO of the American Council of Engineering Companies, Georgia, of which Applied Information is a proud member. Sally, welcome to Coping with COVID. Thank you for having me. What we're going to talk about is uh, two, two things. One is how your organization has dealt with it, and one is how your members are, are dealing with it. We're all, we're all figuring out that we, this COVID thing is going to be with us for a, a while. How's your organization dealing? with? Are you still working from home? How are you, what are you doing? Uh, we started uh, working from home uh,
1: on March 13th. Uh, fortunately, we had all the tools and technologies in place to do that. Server in the cloud, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft 360, right? It's not <laughs> Office 365 anymore. Uh, so we had all those tools in place. Everyone had a laptop uh, for several weeks. Before, we had been telling everybody to take their laptop home with them every night just in case something happened. And so we were in a position to to start working remotely immediately uh, on March March 13th. Uh, The transition was good. Uh, We uh, uh, learned a little bit about different uh, uh, meeting platforms and which ones we liked best. uh, Teams and GoToMeeting and uh, ultimately we settled on Zoom uh, for our external communications where we're meeting with our members and and Zoom for our internal communications. Um, our teams for our internal communications. So it was a, it was a pretty easy transition for us. Um, and we just transitioned back to the office uh, okay. for a limited work week on Monday. Uh, so our schedule will be Mondays through uh, Wednesdays in the office, Thursdays and Fridays working remotely at home.
0: Okay, how, how, what was your sense about productivity and remote working? Is, is this a one and done kind of thing? Or are you thinking about uh, extending this to part of your what of your structure going forward?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, at the end of the day, the, the more interesting question is, you know, what are we doing for our members and what have our members been doing? But, but I have, have spent a lot of time thinking about how uh, what we've learned from COVID 19, which those lessons we did not choose to learn, but we are learning them nonetheless, um, how that's going to impact our members going forward. And I often have to remind myself, well, I need to learn those lessons too. I have an office that I'm running, I don't mm-hmm. need to just think about it in the terms of our members. So uh, we've had a lot of discussions as a staff. And I think one thing that we've all acknowledged is uh, the idea of an everyday, five days a week, 10 hours a day in the office all the time uh, work world is probably not going to return even if we could snap our fingers and make COVID-19
0: go away. Because that's quite interesting from the traffic and transportation side is uh, there's obviously going to be a big change in demand for traffic and transportation services if people work from home and uh, air quality and all kinds of, of, of things. So it's just interesting, not only from your, organi- from your internal staff, but from your uh, members. Mm-hmm. W- w- what are you hearing from them? Uh,
1: well, uh, one of the first things we started doing for our members was calling our members and talking to them and asking, how you doing? What can we be working on for you? Uh, the answer that we got was most of them were as busy as they had ever been. So to the question of productivity, I think the general consensus, my consensus with my staff as well as uh, the member firm leaders that I've talked to feel like productivity was high, Um, in some instances higher than it had been before. Um, Several of our folks reported that they felt like their teams were collaborating at a higher level uh, working remotely than they had been when they were working in the office. Um, So I think uh, the collaboration has been good, I think the productivity has been good. And I think for the most part, our members have again it, it been as as busy or maybe busier than they've ever been. Obviously, there are concerns about what Q3 and Q4 look like as uh, public sector revenues decline. Mm, um, although the, the good news is that at least in the transportation context, um, the news the, the revenue news hasn't been quite as dire as we thought it would be. March ended up being extremely strong April was down, but stronger than we thought it would be um, because obviously freight's still moving and things like that. Um, I think there's also, um, you know, so many of the programs like SPLOST and uh, uh, TIA, uh, Transportation Investment Act, they're sales tax funded. They were so far ahead of budget because revenues were so much higher okay. than had initially projected uh, that if this downturn in our economy and, in particular, sales tax revenue and excise fuel tax revenue. Um, if those are relatively short lived, while we certainly will experience a decrease in revenue, we'll still be ahead of budget, or at least around the budget level because revenues were so high before.
0: Okay, so then if whatever might give us that cushion we need to uh, you know, see what happens through the end of the year and then, and then what happens next year is sort of a little bit of an open question. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's actually great news as far as re-energizing the the economy and gives uh, you know the folks like us business leaders the confidence to make investments especially on the technology side we continually be being pulled to invest and that's on the basis that there's going to be future revenues so uh, so the the outlook from 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 you guys is that um things are you know interesting and uncertain but but not no, not not Imminent catastrophe. I think not as dire as we would
1: have thought in, say, the middle or end of March, where it seemed like the world had stopped, and it was easy to sort of extrapolate that forward and see some really dire conclusions. Um, you know, again, the revenues were so high, and they haven't dropped as far as we thought. Um, even state revenues, overall state revenues. You know, uh, Governor Kemp initially had said. He was asking state departments to make a 14 percent budget cut, mm-hmm. yeah. but as he got new data new revenue data that was better, that went from 14 to eleven um, and I think those those trends hopefully will will continue as the, re- the economy starts to rebound
0: so so that you know in, in the te- context of re-energizing the economy that, that's all good news what about the keeping people safe? what's your sense out of your members? Is this a, a concern would you think that uh, uh, the, you know Folks are are generally being supportive of of some of the public health What what, What's your sense about everybody staying safe through all of this? Yeah, I think so.
1: I think certainly the response, uh, you know, I said we'd been working remotely since March 13th. That was, you know, kind of that period of time where everything kind of turned pear shape very quickly. Um, I'm not aware of any members that didn't do the same thing, Um, even firms that weren't. Uh, fortunate enough to have the technologies and the infrastructure in place to do that. I mean, we had firms where they were sending folks down home with their, their desktop tower and their monitors off their desk, like just take them home and work from home. Uh, they weren't in a position to yeah. do it but they did it because it was the right thing to do. Um, I think engineers, of course, you know, the basis of the engineer's charge is the protection of public health, safety, and welfare. Um, and I think people take that seriously. Um, and I think as you've seen uh, the conversation around transitioning back to working in the office, Uh, Most of our firms have taken uh, a slow, deliberate, careful approach to make sure that they can provide a safe working environment for their folks when they do return back to the office. So uh, I'm only aware of one firm that's gone back to 100% back in the office. Most firms are taking sort of a phased approach or a shift approach. Um, They're really taking social distancing seriously and they're putting protocols in place to to effectuate that, um, which is is a real challenge for some of our firms because as you probably know, uh, a lot of engineering firms uh, embraced the open concept floor plan uh, (laughs) a few years ago, and uh, that's a difficult thing to social distance within. I was in a furniture store the other day picking up a uh, a lateral file cabinet for my home office, and uh, in the showroom, all of the desks had these mounted plexiglass panels on the fronts of the desks to you know, social distance. And I asked the guy, I said, hey, are those selling? He says, well, they're selling like hotcakes and there is apparently a nationwide shortage on plexiglass wow. because so many companies are buying plexiglass panels and things like that. Well, to try well to that, that's
0: actually a great, uh, a great sort of juxtaposition. We did have a shortage of toilet paper. <laughs> <and> now <laughs> we've got a shortage of plexiglass. I'll choose the plexiglass. Things. What, what, what the are trick you...
1: is if we can figure out which companies to invest in for the next thing that'll be in high demand.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the thing to, uh, to be careful of is what, you know, airplanes probably not going to come back very quickly, people cutting back travel, things like that.
1: Yeah, so I think from, a, from, from our member standpoint, uh, we have seen no cuts really in, in staffing. Yeah. Uh, because again, they're as busier, busier than they ever have been. Uh, so that has remained strong and actually folks are still hiring. Uh, those cuts have been in things like non-essential travel, uh, conferences, um, you know, anything that's outside of the office, certainly anything requires a flight um, is treated differently than something you can drive to for right. sure by our member firms.
0: That's, those are pretty much company-wide policies that
1: have been put in place across the board.
0: So, so I think that that's you know, potentially there are going to be aspects of the economy that take Longer, or possibly there'll be a change that people will just fly less in perpetuity because they've got used to the idea of, of, of remote conferencing. We certainly found sure. that people, customers are used to seeing you now over Zoom as instead of in person. Well, I think that's one of the things,
1: You know, again, I think it's important for us as the trade association for the engineering industry to sort of keep our finger on the pulse of these changes and also kind of present our members with some uh, some, some business centered learning from this. And I think one of the things we've got to realize is this um, remote meeting, remote working genie is not going back in the bottle. Um, your employees have experienced it, so you're not going to be able to tell them, no, remote working is not possible. You couldn't possibly work from home because you've got a doctor's appointment today. Um, you've experienced it. Our, our firm leaders have seen the productivity increases. Uh, they've seen that it is possible to work remotely and be productive and be efficient. But more importantly, to your, to your point, our clients have experienced it. So some of that travel, you know, maybe the resistance is COVID-19 related. Maybe the resistance is that in, in the new normal, the next normal, um, clients aren't gonna be as willing to pay for you to hop on a plane and come visit for a one hour meeting that they could just as easily accomplish on a Zoom.
0: That's actually a great point that the, that the that the clients are experiencing is saving as well. And yes. uh, that's a great driver of behavior. Yes, uh, one of the things we, we touched on earlier when I, and I spoke about in the last show was the, the science of mask wearing. Mm-hmm. W- w- what's, your, what's your sense about all of that and the, the politics around mask wearing or no, absence of politics or what, what should we do? You know, I'm, I'm a political
1: person by nature. I'm a, I'm a lobbyist and a, and a government affairs professional. Um, and uh, I cannot wrap my mind around how the wearing of a mask is somehow political. Um, it, is, it is mystifying to me. It, it seems pretty clear uh, that that's one of the most effective ways, if, if we're trying to reopen the economy, if we're trying to get people back in the places that they want to go either for, for pleasure or for business uh, to, to reopen our economy, um, a mask is one of the most effective tools we collectively can adopt to To make that happen, yeah. wash your hands, wear a mask, socially distance. Um, if we if we're willing to do those things, then uh, we can reopen the economy much more quickly than if we view it as some sort of a political statement or uh, uh, you know some sort of a you know I'm a tough guy because I'm yeah. not wearing a mask. Um,
0: yeah, false bravado. Is yeah. Essentially, let's just do it. Get a move on. Get the economy humming. Then we all benefit. Everybody, and, everybody's ahead of the game if the economy's flying. Yeah,
1: and I just—it's—I uh, don't know if you've seen it. There's a picture that was circulating. I think it was published in the Atlanta Journal, at least on their website. It was a Georgia Tech football game from 1919. I did see that. And every—first of all, the stands are entirely men, and <laughs> every single person in the stands is wearing a mask. Yeah.
0: Um seems like we would have uh, learned a lesson that they learned apparently a hundred years yes, ago. Sure, okay. <laughs> One of the things we do at Applied Information is we turn data into information. So obviously there's a great deal of data underneath uh, this COVID-19 pandemic. And, and, and as the time goes by, we are able to do some, see some interesting analysis. So what we've got here is, is an interesting uh, chart that, that caught my mind, originally data done by uh, the Financial Times. Um, but what it does is it analyzes uh, what they call clusters. Now the interesting thing about clusters is that the spread of COVID is what they call um, asymmetrical. And what that means is that 80% of the spread is carried out by 10% of the people. There are these large outbreaks and uh, that's really affected the overall numbers. And as we, business leaders and others are navigating away what is dangerous, what is not dangerous. I thought that this was quite interesting, uh, especially against the context of in Georgia here, roughly 50% of the COVID deaths have occurred in care homes, long-term care facilities. So they're just particularly vulnerable. And you can see that that nationally, this is now 61% um, occur in care homes. A further 19% are in detention centers. The prisons are badly affected. For whatever reason, the next in line is the meat packing plants and the food processing centers. Then rehabilitation centers, those are, are also health uh, facilities. And what is really interesting, that there's only 5% of these super spreading that occur in other activities. And just interesting for me is the, the next level of detail we need to drill down, in other words, are open-plan offices more dangerous than closed offices? And, mm-hmm. and are um, what is the implications of bars and restaurants or, or choirs versus non-singing churches? Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like there's going to be a, need to be a lot of work on the granularity of how most of our lives are li- live our lives. Because just looking at the broad uh, statistics... Uh, shows that most of the um, outbreaks occur in things that I'm not doing on a day-to-day basis. For sure. So we look forward to that, that data emerging in the, and that granularity uh, so that we can further guide. We're all engineers uh, and uh, we're all focused on, uh, on, on, on keeping our people safe, mm-hmm. most importantly, and at the same time revitalizing the economy. Yeah, I think, I think the other thing to keep in mind though, particularly when we're talking about
1: data around uh, a pathogen that you know, didn't exist eight months ago, right? Yeah. So you know, some of that's gonna change. Uh, perception is just as real as reality when we're talking about reopening the economy. So whether it's um, trying to give your employees some comfort in how they can come back in the office and feel safe, even if statistically, mathematically speaking, they're very safe, Um, Some of this is just sort of what we need to do Mm. to give folks comfort to either come back into the workplace or to go into a restaurant or go into a place of business in order to get the economy moving, even if it may be uh, not mathematically speaking or statistically speaking required to keep them safe.
0: Yeah, because actually I think that's something that we all know is the uh the great American economy is based on confidence. Right. And that's what we've got to do is figure out, give folks the confidence to go into, into uh, your place of work and, mm-hmm. and, and go and buy your new car and, and things like that. Yeah, not, not to denigrate what we did after 9-11 with the
1: uh, Department of Homeland Security and uh, the FAA, but a lot of what we do in airports is at least as much about providing people confidence about getting on that airplane as it is about actually stopping
0: threats to them. Correct, correct, correct. Thank you, Sally, for being our guest today. Absolutely. really appreciate it. Very helpful and informative. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. Uh, as I say, I'm Brian Mulligan. Uh, and until next time, be safe and stay healthy.